it's old-timey crimey. Hello, all of you lovely listeners. As you know, we are on a holiday hiatus, so you won't have your normal episode this week, but still wanted to give you a little something. This feed will still have some material between now and the end of our hiatus. Not the normal stuff, but there will be something on Fridays for your old-timey crimey fix. So what follows is an idea of what you can find over on our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash oldtimeycrimey. For this little sample, I pieced together parts of an episode where I read newspaper clippings from old-timey newspapers to Amber, and we talked about the many weird things that people were up to back then. We also, of course, have normal episodes talking about standard cases like a little girl criminal in San Francisco or back in the spooky ween period, haunted cars. So please enjoy this little snippet of old timey newspapers and also an old timey recipe. gonna have our fun. Speaking of people who are having fun, how about the hospital doctor exposed as a fake and held as a robber? Nice. Yeah, this is from 1923, and I have uh, several from 1923 because our case this week starts in 1923, so I found a whole bunch while I was uh, researching. So accidentally found a whole lot of 23. Yes, yes, because I get distracted by headlines like hospital doctor exposed as fake and held as robber. I get easily distracted by that. Yeah, as one would. Yes. So, this was in Atlantic City. Though he never studied medicine or surgery professionally, has no diploma or degree of any kind, Russell George, now under arrest here on a charge of robbery, hoodwinked the officials and physicians of the Atlantic City Hospital so successfully that he was invited to become president physician and surgeon at the hospital and actually held the post from March 1st to May 21st without exciting suspicion. It was too easy, said George today. I never said I had any diploma and was never asked for any. I was born in Toronto 28 years ago and lived there or in Montreal until last year. Then I became an attendant to Harry Simons, a wealthy cigar manufacturer who was an invalid. Somehow, from being called nurse, I grew to get the name of doctor, and it stuck to me. Naturally, I picked up a smattering of medical knowledge. He often came to Atlantic City, and I accompanied him. I was known to everyone as Dr. George and his personal companion. At any rate, they swallowed it hook, line, and sinker. And to the physicians and everybody else here, I was known as Dr. George. Then Simons died. Physicians of the city hospital here invited me to become resident physician. The pay was small, but was recommended to me as an excellent opportunity to establish a practice here. I took the job and got away with it all right. I had kept my eyes and ears open. Also, I read up in a couple of textbooks. I fooled the nurses to the top of their bent by smilingly asking them how they would handle such and such a case and then complimenting them on their replies and following the directions. They thought I was a grand doctor because I told them they were fine nurses. Minor wounds I dressed after disinfecting and sewing. More important matters, I always managed to defer until it could be handled by one of the real surgeons. It was easy and I'm sure nobody is any worse for my handling of their ailments. I used common sense. George's actions excited suspicion when a city official was an inmate of the hospital. This official caused George's discharge. Then one of the patients complained that Dr. George had borrowed 
a gold watch from him. Hmm. So he got in trouble. <laughs> and still in 1949, we have this quirky story. Okay. This is in Port Rowan, Ontario. Gathering dust behind locked doors in the county museum at Simcoe, 14 miles from this quiet Lake Erie fishing village, are relics of one of the wildest legends of southwestern Ontario. Yet no one here has bothered to use the tale as tourist bait. Most residents haven't even heard the story. The story, well authenticated in historical journals, is that of Dr. John Troyer, first white man to settle in the district in 1789. Where he got the title of doctor, nobody knew. Well, maybe people just started calling him that. That's a theme. <laughs> yeah. He understood the use of herbs, at herbs and is believed to have possessed what then passed as a medicine chest. A blacksmith, he served the settlers as dentist also, chiefly because he was skillful with his blacksmith pliers. You gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah, I know, I know. It's, it's of the time, but it's still <laughs> painful. But the amazing thing about Dr. Troyer was his superstitious dread of witches and demons. He was bitterly afraid of dark-eyed women and thought them all witches. When he saw one, he would rush to his cabin in deathly fear and barricade the doors. His dreams were nightmares of terror about witches. He nailed horseshoes over every door in the belief that these witches could not pass cold iron. He kept a huge bear trap at the foot of his bed in the hope some unwary witch would step into it. There is no record that Troyer, a deadly shot up to the day of his death at the age of 99, ever raised a finger against these dark-eyed tormentors among the women settlers, some of whom teased him and gibbered at him as he passed. The ability to control his obsession made Troyer a wealthy man by pioneer standards. He was constable, water diviner, and shipbuilder, and his land was richly productive. The bear trap and his famous musket have been taken to the little-used museum at Simcoe, and few strangers ever hear the strange story of the dark imaginings of this well-loved pioneer. Wow. Yeah, he uh, he had some stuff going on, but... That sounds like childhood trauma stuff. I also wonder if there's any racism in here. Just, it was the dark eyes. That definitely, like, dark-eyed women. Well, you know, people with darker skin tend to have darker eyes. <laughs> so, I'm just wondering if there's some racism mixed in there. There could be. There could be. Here we have a little bridal shower. Wartime Bride Receives Gifts Doris Mitchell, bride-elect of early September, former resident of Saskatoon, was honored Tuesday at a miscellaneous gift shower in the church basement. The gifts were presented in a sewer pipe, symbolic of the groom's vocation. It was mounted on a wagon drawn by the bride-elect's nephews. Then it lists the hostesses and says that following her marriage, Miss Mitchell will live in Flimflon. 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 But yeah, just presenting the gifts in a sewer pipe. Yeah, hopefully a new one and not a used one. Let's hope. Fingers crossed. And unless you want to hear a, a disgusting recipe, I'm going to finish up with some international news. But I'll let you think on whether you want to hear the disgusting recipe. Okay. Okay. So this is still 1949. The headline is asked for it. Manila, September 9th. Nicholas Spolina, 20, today nursed a deep knife wound in his stomach, but declined to press charges against his assailant, Pretty Salud Villaluz, 18. He 
he said he figured he had it coming to him. Helena said he brashly told her she was gaining weight. She challenged him to a fight. That is when Polina made another mistake. He said he scornfully handed her his knife and said, Stab me if you dare. She dared. Yeah, no, he had that coming. <laughs> he had it coming. He has only himself to blame. Yes, and at least he is aware of that. He ran into my knife ten times. <laughs> but I, I'm glad that he's aware of it. He's like, I'm not going to press charge. This was totally my fault. Yes, my fault. So, good on him. Yeah, good on him, yes. Maybe he learned a lesson. Hopefully. <laughs> Hard way to learn it, but damn. This one is out of Munich, Germany. The Bavarian government is to prosecute a Munich newspaper which has accepted a story entitled Hitler, the Great Lover, written by a former Nazi journalist. Ew. Ew, yeah. All right, let's go with that recipe. You need a palate cleanser? <laughs> I do. I want a palate cleanser. <laughs> okay. So... This is also from 1949. It's jellied medley. Makes six servings. Mm. So I'm just going to list off the rest, the, the ingredients and not the amounts because that's going too far. But you have your lemon-flavored gelatin, hot water, veggie stock, bouillon cube, vinegar, salt, pepper, celery salt, scraped onion, which I think is maybe grated? Or minced. Minced, something like that, yeah. yeah. Diced carrots and cooked peas. Dissolve gelatin in hot stock. Add vinegar, salt, pepper, celery, salt, and onion. Chill until slightly thickened. Then fold in vegetables. Turn into individual molds. Chill until firm. Unmold on crisp lettuce sprinkled with French dressing. Serve with mayonnaise. For a more substantial entree, prepare gelatin mixture as directed above. Cover bottom of ring mold with slightly thickened gelatin. Arrange slices of hard-boiled egg against sides of mold. Chill until firm. Fill mold with remaining gelatin. Chill until firm. Unmold on crisp lettuce, sprinkled with French dressing. Garnish with watercress and radish roses. Leftover chicken or meat or other cooked vegetables may also be added. It's a lot. I don't, I don't know why everyone wanted to make everything in a jello mold, but at least that doesn't sound as bad as some of your other recipes. Yes, I have presented in our group chat some pretty horrifying examples of, of yes. what they were cooking in, in the olden times. Yeah, that, that one does not sound as bad. It's, it's a savory jello. It's when you bring the hard-boiled eggs into it. That's only if you want it more hearty. More substantial, yes. But I just feel like when you, when you mix those textures, I just can't. I can't. Yeah. Like eggs and jello, I can't put that all together. I don't like hard-boiled eggs to begin with. I'm not a fan of the the texture of the yolk when it's hard boiled, so when you add that to Jello, I'm just like, I need it. <laughs> you would. I'm gonna make one of these things for you one of these days. I was really gonna make the tomato. I'm in. Jelly I'm in. Tea. I'll do it. So, all right. Well, that is my old tiny newspapers for you. That was fun. <laughs> Glad you enjoyed. I've been collecting them all fall. I had like a folder. Fall 2021, old-timey newspaper screenshots. I just collect them, and I was like, it's for a rainy day. So maybe a week that got away from me, or a rough week or something, when going and researching a tiny and putting that all together, like an actual full case, is just a little bit much. Or when we have like a case that is pretty big, mm -hmm. and we both have 15 pages of notes. And what do you know? All of these things are true this week. All of them. The week got away from me. We have 15 pages of notes. My back hurts. So. so here's some newspapers, bitches. And it's still fun. It is. It's very fun. And it's still very old-timey. And there was some crime. 
Yeah, yeah, there was definitely some crime in some there. Some sugar-coated crime. <laughs> yeah. But then by the end of it, we had a, a gentleman who was stabbed and was like, no, I had that coming. No, I deserved it. Yeah, he did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, that wraps that up. So don't forget, you can check out our Patreon over at patreon.com slash oldtimeycrimey, where you'll find over 100 bonus episodes. We update weekly with our regular old tiny crimies, and then monthly with an extra, extra bonus episode. And that's only $5 a month, and you immediately get access to all of that material. So I hope that you and yours are happy, healthy, and safe. And and we'll be back for real on January 7th. Bye. Bye.